your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com. We are the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Joined every week by Zach Harper at Talk Hoops on Twitter. He is the national CBSSports.com columnist for the NBA. Yes. Uh, NBA expert. Sort of. Wise sure. individual. I, I pretend to be one on the internet. Uh, That's two hours of us sounds like a lot. It just hit me that this is a two-hour show. <laughs> it that sounds been, like a long commitment. It has been the whole time. Right, <laughs> but it just thing, hit me Zach. when I heard that. I was like, wow, two hours. That's yeah. a lot. Well, nevertheless, you have to you have to do it. So. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm more just like feeling sorry for people that have to babble, hear me babble <laughs> for two hours. Usually it's like an hour deal with me. Well, good news, everyone. <laughs> good news for you. <laughs> we believe in ourselves, so... Uh, <laughs> We're coming to you from uh, at halftime of the Utah Jazz game. Uh, Jazz are currently losing fifty to thirty nine to the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, mostly due to the twelve turnovers that they've already had and the nineteen points that the Oklahoma City Thunder have scored off of that. Uh, this has been kind of a recurring problem for the Jazz. It seems like it went away for a little bit and then, well, it's come back in full force over the last two nights. 12 turnovers in the first half tonight, 22 turnovers last night against Oof. the Rockets. Somehow they still won that game. Yeah. Thank God the the Rockets are just, just lifeless. Like they just don't care. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. Like uh, as bad as the Jazz played last night, they had no business being in that game. I mean, mm-hmm. they defended well, but. They had no business like being in that in a position to win that game. Like if Houston plays up to their own talent level, or even like seventy five percent of their talent level, they walk away with that game. And I think they would. They kind of showed some of that talent level in the first half a little bit. Yeah, and absolutely. For some reason, it went away from the strategy that got them the eighteen point lead. I will give them credit for this. I they did flip what they have been doing for the most part, where they just lie down in the first half and then make an effort in the second half. So maybe oh. they're just trying something new. <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah, fresh tactics. Before before we talk about that game and, and kind of the Jazz's recent success uh, with having one five out of six, first of all, you can you can tweet us yes. at Andy B. Larson, at Talk Hoops is your Twitter handle, Zach. Um, and then you can also call us on the show, 877-353-0700. We know that some of you will want to watch the Jazz game out there, and that's fine. So we also upload the show as a podcast on ESPN700sports.com and saltcityhoops.com after every show. So if you, you know, do miss part of the game or whatever or miss part of the show for the game or vice versa, you can always listen to either parts on those two websites. We also have Jared Zwirling, um, who's currently an NBA PA, NBA Players Association writer, did an excellent article on Rodney Hood today that we wanted to talk to him about. We're going to have him on in the 8 p.m. segment, and uh, he's also a great writer. He's written for... uh, Bleacher Report, ESPN, Sports Illustrated. I think all of those things are true. <laughs> sure, that's, they all sound true. Uh, so we're excited to have him on at the 8 o'clock hour. But let's talk about where the Jazz are right now. Last night's game, uh, some trends from tonight, and then kind of some larger trends too as well over the last month, uh, especially with regards to the defense, and really kind of their trend towards it looks like maybe a playoff berth. Um we mentioned it already. Houston's inconsistent effort. I mean, you're, why can't this team try all the time? Like, what? What's I, the deal? I really, I really 
don't like getting the whole sports psychology part of it because we're just assuming things about people we don't actually know. Yeah. But is there a leader on this team outside of 90-year-old Jason Terry? I mean, no. Right. I mean, that's the problem. Like, you, there is so much talent. But, like, Trevor Reese's checked out for most of this year. James Harden's not trying on defense again when he was actually pretty decent last year. Dwight Howard's not a leader. And I don't even know that all of those are, like, indictments on individual players, or maybe it's more of an indictment on the construction of the team. But, like, they just don't have a leader. So who's going to be the voice of reason when they get into those apathetic moments? Well, like, okay, so the Jazz, I, I might argue that the Jazz don't have a leader either. I would argue Quinn Snyder's the leader. Okay, that's fair. And I don't—I mean, maybe that's unfair to J.B. Bickerstaff, but you know he's, no, an interim, he's, he's an interim coach. Like, what's he supposed to do? I, I mean, it's—I think it's pretty clear from the play on the floor. That yeah, I mean, I was they still don't really believe in him that much. Yeah, their third game of the year, they had lost the first two games by twenty points apiece. They were in Miami. I was there still, and Kevin McHale came out for his pregame introductions, game three of the entire of the regular season, and looked like he was just completely done with this team third game of the season like it's been all year this isn't something that has grown it's just been there right and I don't know like part of me's wondered you tried and you sacrificed so much you overcame so many injuries to get the two seed last year to get to the Western Conference Finals and it wasn't enough and I think it's a very human response to be like well why am I going to go through all that again but I I I thought people were relatively impressed with their their getting to the Western Conference Finals they were but but even but look at I mean look at from a standpoint of you did all of this, and it still wasn't good enough. Like, if the championship is your goal... And it's clear that they're never, ever going to beat the Warriors or the Spurs. Right, exactly. So then, like, why try? Okay. You know? I mean, and they try sometimes, but they're 35 and 30. There's This team, because they haven't had major injuries this year, there is no reason they should be 35 and 37. No. Like, absolutely. They have way too talent. They should be challenging the Thunder for the three seed right now. Yeah, and it's... I mean, they took away all the quote-unquote... Uh, cancers on the team right you know, Ty, like Ty Lawson's gone Josh Smith isn't playing and hasn't played for 10 right. games in a row you know it, sure you add Michael Beasley I guess yeah, well here's he a fun might thing actually be helping Rockets fans are really angry if you make fun of Michael Beasley yeah right they now. are I didn't really, realize that like really angry in even though like the numbers aren't good no well his individual numbers are fine yeah like, but he's when shooting, he's on the floor oh like, they're getting they're, slaughtered yes. and they say oh well he's playing with the reserves well actually he's played more minutes with James Harden than than not, not James Harden uh and it's just as bad then uh but they really don't like that. But that's the thing. Like, they went outside the box and went for Michael Beasley, who's one, a guy that doesn't defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is a guy who shoots twice as many long twos as he does, does three pointers. Like, they went away from their kind of formula, right? Yeah. And they say, go be yourself. And that's fine. He can shoot 55% from the field, and, and it's good. He's putting up numbers, but they're just getting slaughtered. It didn't feel like that was Houston's problem. No, 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 no. That being said, uh, who do you add, I guess, that's like a, a decent defender that makes a difference? I mean, it's hard to make a difference on on a defensive unit with one player. Yeah. I mean, I don't like 2010 Dwight Howard. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, do you Bill and Ted this thing and go back in time and go you know, steal work. somebody? I think that's the only, I think it's subtraction. Like, I, I don't think they have to blow it up, but I think it's a good thing for them that Dwight Howard is probably going to leave this summer. For what it's worth, I thought the Jazz's uh, play last night was very, pretty steady, actually, for going down yeah. 17 in the first half or 18 it, in the first half. They didn't and seem then, to panic, right? No, and they, they kind of played the same way throughout. Yeah. It's just in the second half, the shots went down. That was very much like a process versus results type of thing, right? Yeah. Like they kind of stuck with it, and eventually, like you said, the shots go down, they pull out a victory, and that kind of shows. That, that's a good lesson for them, too, especially coming from Quinn Snyder, like, you know, 
you can just keep with it, and eventually our style of play and our decision making, our execution, you know, can come to fruition, and, and we can win games. I thought uh, Gordon Hayward's play was really impressive there too, kind of responding to not being able to make shots from the outside in the first half and then getting to the line in the second half. And that's what you have to do, right? 22 points on 11 shots, got to the line 12 times, made two clutch free throws with, you know, what was it, 46 seconds left, something like that. that. I mean, I thought that was impressive. Uh, I thought eventually they stopped turning the ball over (laughs) in the last 30 minutes. That was big. I don't know what to think about these turnovers. I mean, part of it is just like, hey, Shelvin Mack, you're amongst like much taller people than you're used to, I feel like. And, and right. the, the length is, is kind of surprising to him. He's not used to playing this many minutes against this caliber of defenders. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's asking a lot for him to do. Like, And he's done a pretty good job for the most part, but I think you do see a very real kind of line of what he can do because you go up against Patrick Beverly, who's just a hound mm-hmm. defensively, he can force you into some turnovers, and and even James Harden to a certain extent, like had eight know, steals last yeah, night. Yeah, I mean he can he can reach in and he can you know poke the ball away or he can play the passing lanes, and you have to be careful of stuff like that. Uh, and Houston is kind of ver- a very much a gambling defense at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're sloppy with it, they can take advantage. And I felt like that happened last night, and then so far tonight, it seems like you're just like I don't think Russell Westbrook's been a good defender this year, mm-hmm. but he's still very tall, very strong, very fast. And when you try to do too much against him, the other guys can kind of pounce on you. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes he's 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 almost I don't know Rondo esque in terms of yeah. gambling. For yeah, for sure. Steals. I mean, he does. Le- I think he leads the league in steals or something like that. But a lot of that is gambling. But mm-hmm. if you you gamble correctly, you win. That's that's, how, that's how that works. <laughs> I saw the movie Twenty One. <laughs> I know how that works. Is he? But he's not card counting, is what you're saying. He's he's the the gambler. I the... think I think he's card counting, but he's taking breaks in the middle, so then it just becomes <laughs> guessing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I tried to count cards once, and uh, yeah? and it, I just didn't have the attention span for it. See, uh, everyone everyone is like Andy. You'd be great at counting right, cards, you're right? Great you're, at math. I'm a math major. That's <laughs> it's counting cards is not a hard thing. It's it's can you increment and decrement by one? Like yeah. that. It's can you go from fifteen to sixteen and then back to fifteen again? I got like, maybe halfway through the deck and I was just like, this is just not gonna. This not is not fun. gonna hold. Yeah, it's not fun. It and wasn't if you, fun at all. If you have like five dollars, right. It doesn't make any difference. If you're at like, all. I cannot lose this sixty dollars today, then right. you're not in a good position <laughs> for it. That's the thing. Is like, yeah. So like in twenty one, they bet five dollars and then have like some guy come in when it's a good situation and right. bet ten thousand dollars. I don't have ten thousand dollars. No, we got to find that guy. I can't. I can't um, exactly. Maybe right. uh, that's it. You know, if right. we find <laughs> we find a bankroller. Right. Exactly. Tweet us. We'll help you count cards. <laughs> if you have ten thousand dollars, please contact us <laughs> at Talk Hoops. <laughs> For your gambling needs. Yikes. All right. Um, Jazz's defense is, has really improved recently, though. I like it. I, I just, it's very sound. Um, you know, tonight's been a little tougher because of the transition defense. Right. The that's turnovers. the only thing, though. You look at the 12 tr- turnovers yeah. leading to 19 points, but the other possessions is, you know. The, the half-court defense is phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's 31 points in 36 or so possessions. Yeah. You'll take that yeah, every you'll, time. You'll definitely take that, and, and you – you do see the benefit of having a six three point guard like Shelvin Mack. Right. It just that size helps. Cutting off the court th- that way helps. It allows other guys to you know play more sound. They don't have to help as much. The bigs can defend the rim better and rebound better. Like it, it really does have an effect. Jazz's defense is fifth in the league since the All Star break, and then number one in the league 
in their last seven games, which yeah. is which is cherry picked. Let's sure, be clear. Like I went from seven games to eight games, and then waited for the Jazz to be number one. But <laughs> sure. it, regardless, in whatever stretch of time I'm looking at, that that number one is is a good number. Uh, and you kind of look at the point totals too, and they're also playing to the Jazz's pace. I think really right. well. You know, it's it's been only one game above 100 points that in the last 11 that teams have scored, and that's the Golden State Warriors, uh, league's number one offense. Yeah. You look at tonight; it's the league's number two offense that right. they're playing in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, and like you said, though, I mean, it's the turnovers that are killing them. And you can, it's you know, you could say, well, well you can't just take away turnovers, which is true, but right. uh, but that half court defense is just very good. And even you know, Rudy's not playing. No, you know, right. he's, he's, he's got had... three fouls in three minutes or something mm-hmm. like that. Like he and they're still defending. I would say pretty well in the half court. Yeah, and I think that's that's the sort sort of thing that's impressive. I mean, last night Rudy Gobert also kind of played himself off the floor, right? And yet the Jazz were able to defend as a unit. Even guys like Trevor Booker, who I I don't think is a fantastic defender, kind of picked and chose his times to come over and help and and block shots and and kind of get in the way and muck things up. Uh, are you worried about about Rudy? To a certain extent, yeah, yeah, I, I think a little bit. You know, look, he didn't play at all his first season, right? right? So this is year three of his career, year two of actually playing, really year one and a half. Yeah, and I know that's that's a convenient excuse, but it, it's clear that if he's in the right situation and, and opponents are playing him well, he can be impactful on both ends of the floor. Sure. If teams are game planning specifically against him and are either sagging off him twenty feet into the paint or are uh, forcing him out on the perimeter to play defense and, and kind of taking him away from the rim, then he's, he's going to struggle a little bit. And, and that makes sense for a second- or third-year player to not have those sort of counters yet, right? Right. And, and that's kind of what I think he hasn't developed whatsoever. Now, you know, there's a lot of things he can do. He can add a 15-foot jump shot. He can start, you know, maybe playing a little bit better defense on the perimeter, being a little bit smarter about when he comes out and when when he doesn't. Uh, and quite frankly, catching the ball would be another good skill for him to be able to do at, at kind of all right. levels of his body. But it's it's not surprising, I guess, where he is right now. Ooh, should he should he be trying to use some stick yeah, like Dwight Howard. I would uh, honestly like. I think if Dwight's using it, I think Rudy Gobert's maybe even a more good candidate for right. Stickum. I guess. Uh, here's something. I mean, I don't know how much you make of this because it is it's a you know small sample. But uh, since the All Star break, he's allowing 45 percent at the rim, okay. uh, which I know those stats can be a little a little murky through the the sports view. But you know, this is a guy who you were counting to kind of be below 40 percent, right? Yeah, at the I, rim. So if you add an extra five six percent, I think that's significant for him. Forty five percent still very good, mm-hmm. but with him, uh, you really need him to be around that forty percent in order to like maximize his value. Right. I think some of it too is the injury. Sure. Yeah. Like, he's not moving. He hasn't been moving great. Yeah. I don't think he's moving poorly, but but he's not moving great. Yeah. He's not maybe quite as athletic and maybe he's getting his fingertips onto balls sure. where last year he may have gotten the whole palm yeah. and been able to catch things. Right. I think, I think that is part of it. Uh, and actually, Rodney Hood's another guy who struggled last night um, and two for 11 shooting, at, you know, made the right play at the last play of the game, but you look and say maybe if he makes some shots earlier, they don't need that play. Uh, and, and he's another guy too where I think the – Offensive package is there, and you know clearly he has some skills that most guys in the league don't. But he doesn't really have those counters yet right. of of getting to the line or uh, 
you know, getting all the way to the rim, those sort of things when teams game plan for him. I can't believe I'm I'm even going to ask this. Do you think he's relying on the three-point shot too much to be productive? No. I, I don't. I think sometimes uh, he relies on the mid-range too much, actually, okay. where he'll get to the, about the free throw line and then teams will kind of body up on him. And yeah. where you may see a a faster or a, a stronger player maybe get to the rim, kind of take advantage of that lack of space, he seems to rarely actually get to the rim and finish in the restricted area. Yeah, maybe if he's attacking more, I mean, I don't know... Or get get to the line, of right? Course. Yeah, maybe if he's attacking more, that's what I was going to kind of say is like you can improve that free throw rate, mm-hmm. um, which is you know it's pretty low, but I think it's like twenty to twenty five percent somewhere in that yeah. range, uh, which you would like him to be. You know, I think you'd like most of your attacking wings to kind of be in that thirty five percent. Yeah, range unless they're just rate. straight spot up, which I think yeah, you exactly. can hope for more from Rodney Hood. Sure. Uh, Jazz are now down, by the way, 17 to the Thunder. So This has gotten this worse. Is, this is the point in which they come back from games. But is there enough time? Right. Well, this is how I mean, this is how they set you up. It's a weird strategy it's- from Quinn <laughs> Snyder, but, it, hey, it worked last night. It did. And, uh, no, they're just still missing. No. <laughs> no, <they're> just- <laughs> <laughs> well, but at the, at the seven-minute mark, that's usually when it kicks in. The seven-minute mark of the third quarter? Yeah. Okay. I have no evidence to back that up, <laughs> but I feel pretty confident in saying that. Jazz, in, in the last <laughs> 21 minutes of ball games, what? no, I guess that'd be tw- 19 minutes of ball games. Something like that, yeah. I studied math in college, so kids. Maybe the counting cards isn't for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm a little bit worried about those guys because there's, there's no... There's no guarantee that they add those counters, right? Like, right. Rudy Gobert may only just be this player, right? And sure. maybe if teams figure him out then that's it and he has a Roy Hibbert rest of his career I that's probably strong but uh, right uh, but I mean all right maybe uh an upper management Roy Hibbert yeah (laughs) like which is still it's still a good valuable player it's just not what you hope Rudy Gobert right it's it's probably not a max level right you're not throwing that kind of money at him and and ditto with Rodney Hood right you know if, if he never improves off of this he's he's a nice player but it's you know he's Probably a starter, but not a, a star. It's not also a... still very early oh, in their yeah, respective exactly. careers, like you said earlier. I totally. mean, I think that I think it's probably more important with Rodney because the depth isn't there at the position. Whereas with with Gobert, you know, you can go play hmm. Jeff Withy for eighteen minutes if you want to. You can play Trey Lyles. You can play yeah, Trevor I... Booker and move Derek Favors to the five, and and you're kind of okay for this season. Totally. Yeah. Long term, I think it's the other way around. I think long term. Uh, Rudy is so much of what you've built this team's identity to be, sure. namely good at defense. Yeah. And if not, if he's not good, then I, I don't know how good you can be. I mean, yeah, they were good last night, like we talked about, but right. I don't know that you have that identity without, with like Derek favors at the five. For yeah. Th- yeah. That's fair. I just think the, I think the position scarcity is actually at Rodney's position of the three and D creator type of in, guy. in the league. Yeah. In the league. Yeah, so okay. that makes maybe more, there's more onus to, develop Rodney than there is Gobert, whereas last year you would not have said that at all. Huh. But I think you you look at the way they get paid, you look at the way the guys are going to get paid this summer, like Rodney's going to be a very valuable commodity, even if he's just this player. I mean, obviously not the player he was the last four games, but the player he is this year, if he's just that guy for the next 10 years, that's a $16 million a year guy. Yeah, okay. If uh, How much is Rudy Gobert if he's you know the, just this player that he's been for the last four Probably games? Probably the same, but you can... There are more options if you get rid of Rudy in terms of how you can play. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah. I mean, and obviously... Uh, I don't even know not... why we're pitting them against each other. Like, you have to pick one. Right. They're going to pick both of them. <laughs> they, but... they get to have, like, more than one assistant coach on the team. They can... Uh, you can I do... See, I'm against that. I'm <laughs> kick those guys off. 
I just want to sit closer to the court. I you, feel like if you get rid of assistant coaches, you can. Everyone gets to sit courtside. Yeah, uh, that's fair. More courtside <laughs> seats. You're a former assistant coach yourself. Right. It's you're, almost you're the taking, same level. Your union is probably very upset. They're not happy with me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I didn't get banned, but I, I, got, a, I got a technical foul or a couple as an assistant coach. Did you? In, in the high school level. <laughs> they really didn't like hearing from assistant coaches. That's what it was. Really? It was kind of a zero tolerance policy. That's, huh. I'm not great at keeping my tongue. No. I mean, that's not, that's not what we pay you to do <laughs> Right, <here>. exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, years ago when I didn't have anything to lose, now I at least have a job to lose. I didn't have anything to lose years before, so I was maybe a little more aggressive. I would say. In terms of yelling, uh, barking at, at referees, okay. yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, is there a flavor of the kind of things you you yelled at the refs? I mean, um, you know, I would just I would let them know when they miss calls. See, and I I just thought I mean I thought I was being helpful. Uh, maybe I was being overly helpful. Is it better or worse than my behavior on press row? Uh, no, worse. I would okay. say, worse. yeah, worse. Okay. Yeah, I think you're pretty pretty mild and pretty in control. I think I'm mild. I'm yeah. just like, sir. You missed a call. Right. <laughs> Probably reconsider what you're doing there. And you should not sit courtside. No offense. I, I feel like you would have a lot of conversations oh, with the officials yeah, if no, you sat courtside. It would be great. <laughs> anyway, uh, as we've been talking for the last four minutes, the Jazz wow. have not scored. This and is the, just getting worse. The Thunder worse. have scored 12. So. We, we still have 50 seconds till the seven-minute mark, though. <laughs> so that's when <laughs> that's, it really gets uh, going. I mean, maybe when the when the... Thing says seven. The the seven fifty three is basically because I mean Derek Favors just scored points. That's for the Jazz in the second half of this game. That's a success. Once you break that eight minute barrier, floodgates. Yes. Once the, the seven appears right. in the in the minute numeral, yeah. then you're good. All right, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> On the other side, we're gonna talk about uh, how Sheldon Mack has played since being acquired by the Utah Jazz. Uh, whether or not his good play is for real. Whether or not uh, the turnovers can change. If he, Jazz are better on the floor with or without him. We'll talk about that next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show on ESPN 700. As Zach predicted, the comeback has begun. The Jazz have scored on. points, and the Thunder got scared and called a timeout and uh, still lead by 17. <laughs> yeah, but, but only 17. Oops. Make that 15. Oh, man. This comeback is on. Props to listener Riley O'Brien, by the way. He's sending us a question during the game, listening to the show and the game. Jazz tend to run. Look at that. It's real. The, the seven-minute <laughs> effect. Uh, anyway, Riley says, asking you to look into a crystal ball. Can Dante Axum, Rodney Hood, Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert be a championship team eventually? That's a tough one. I mean, I think if you believe they can all reach their potential at the, around the same time while being on the same team, yeah, I think that... I think their their levels of play plus that continuity of what it would take over like what four or five years from now for yeah for that kind of perfect storm of everything yeah I think that can be but I think that's a it's all going to depend on health and the role players around I mean I think we've learned in, right. this, in the NBA like the bench you got to have three or four guys off the bench who can just keep everything going yeah like at, they're going to sign somebody else in the next right. before they're a champion oh no for sure but like but i mean can that be the core right can that be the core yeah i think so i mean it just takes i think uh, this is this is going to be groundbreaking it's really hard to win a championship yeah and i just i think that we've learned that over the years when t- guys team up like it's just it's really hard to get everything to be that perfect mix at the perfect time yeah, agreed. And I, I think 
like there's this idea a, a championship team like the Spurs are a championship team this year whether or not they win yeah, the championship. Yeah, that's a great point. You know? Yeah. Like even this Thunder unit I would say has been a championship team. I mean they've been yeah. to the finals, they've They're a championship caliber team. Yeah. Right. And the difference between actually getting and winning that championship is not and not is sometimes is t- sometimes small, right? Like, right, absolutely. The, the difference between the Oklahoma City Thunder of 2 years ago and the Dallas Mavericks of what? 4 years, four years, years ago. ago yeah. yeah, 5 years ago. It's not a talent one, right? It's right. it's kind of a game planning and where LeBron was and those sort of things. For sure. Uh, and that's not necessarily the Oklahoma City Thunder's fault. Yeah. I mean, I would actually, maybe this is crazy, I would argue this Thunder team is better than that one that made the finals just because of the years of experience of LeBron. Yeah, I don't like, think I know, that's crazy. I know Harden's not on that team anymore, but I just like this team better. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's crazy. I think you've got a, it's, I think it's a deeper team. Mm-hmm. Um, For I, sure. So... Yeah, but yeah, I think if you want to put it as like championship caliber team, absolutely. I think that I think that core can be a championship caliber team. Cool. Uh Shelvin Mack. So he's been very good in some games and then kind of averageish in some others. Especially with the turnovers, right? The turnovers are a big problem, including tonight, where he's got five uh through his, let's see, twenty two minutes of play. Last night I believe he ended up with five as well. Or maybe it was four. But regardless, many turnovers. That being said, the Jazz play a lot better with him on the floor. The Jazz are six points uh, in net rating, six points better on the floor per 100 possessions. Wow. Uh, with a, that was ambitious. That was ambitious. <laughs> Trevor Booker just tried a behind-the-back pass, hence a, my wow. A behind-the-back bounce pass to Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it was, it was bold. But it, it, he caught it. He did catch it. Yeah. It didn't, didn't go in the hoop. He got but blocked, but he, but he caught it. It's not, that's not Trevor Booker's fault. Uh, Shelvin Mack is six <laughs> points better. Sorry, the Jazz are better. Six points better with Shelvin Mack on the floor. Six points worse with him off it, so kind of a plus 12 overall. Right. And then you kind of look at his, his scoring as well. He's averaging 15 points per 36 minutes, four and a half rebounds, 6.8 assists per game, or sorry, assists per 36. Uh, that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, it's better than, I think, what most fans expected from Shelvin Mack. It's a lot better than what I expected from him. I what, mean... What did you expect? I mean, you... I expect him to be a, a backup caliber point guard. Yeah. You know, and, he, and he's been much better than that. He's been like a kind of a starting caliber point guard? Yeah, Kind of like ab- a absolutely. Darren Williams this season kind of starting? Sure. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, he's he's been a much better shooter than he's ever shown. So that makes me... Right. He's shooting 45% from three, right, which is... Right. It's like 43% on pull-up three-pointers. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like not Steph Curry, but not far from it uh, in terms of just like that kind of play mm-hmm. and, uh, because there are not a lot of guys who are above 40% on pull up three point jumpers. He's also taking a lot fewer. He's only ta- he's taking about it two a game. But um but yeah, like I think you have to be very encouraged by what he brings to the Jazz. I don't know again, I don't know how sustainable it is, but it's just it's a like, different look. The shooting is not sustainable. I, I No, but the playmaking is, right? But I think the playmaking is yeah. like the, his assist numbers are within career norms. I, sure. I, I his rebounding numbers are and that's something that the Jazz weren't getting from any of their guards. Uh, so I, I like what he's brought in that way. I think the defense is pretty much there, right? Like that's, yeah. that's kind of what we've expected from him given his size and strength. I he think chewed he up could, by a couple of point guards, but yeah. those are the point guards who chew up everybody. So right. I don't know what uh, you can really do there. Yeah. Overall, I, I, I think he's, he's been surprisingly important of an addition, uh, and, and it's weird. Cause I, I think a lot of fans are saying, well, okay. Some fans are saying that. He's taking opportunities away from Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood. Do you see it that way at all? Um, yeah, but I th- I think that's a good thing. Hmm. I, I think it's good to have a mixture of, if you have three guys 
who can attack, play, make, score. I, that's just such a huge difference in having the onus be on two guys. It just does so much more to the opposing defense to have to make decisions against three guys attacking them at in, on any given play. Um, so I think as long as you balance it out properly, I think it's a very good thing to take away those opportunities because it also that gives those guys opportunities to get easy scores off of cuts, off of spot-up jumpers. Like I, I think there's a good kind of you know cascade effect there. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. So then the, kind of the next question is, Dante Exum returning this offseason, obviously. Sure. What do you do next year? First of all, do you start Dante Exum right away or do you kind of continue the, the chemistry that this starting lineup has had uh, again, one of the best lineups in the NBA since Shelvin Mack came. Yeah. Or do you do you go out and acquire another point guard and kind of have Mack as your your presumptive third point guard? And then what do you do with Howell Neto? I mean, there are kind of a lot of questions there. Yeah, I mean, so in theory, you have four point guards going into next season. Maybe really just three, depending on what they do with Trey Burke. But I think you... Well, you they, have, you'd, yeah, you'd have three. Right. Right. So... I think you get. I think you go into next season with the mindset, like unless you can go out and get a, a legitimate upgrade at point guard, like get a really good, not not even really good, just a, an average starting point guard in the NBA. If you can go get that guy, you go get him. Otherwise, you go in with the mindset of, Dante Exum has the chance to win this starting position in training camp and the preseason. But how good is average? Like, is do you go get a Drew Holiday or a, or a Jeff Teague or? I yeah, mean, like somewhere like maybe a little bit worse than those guys. Okay. Uh, Darren Collison. I'm just, I mean, I'm throwing out names, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, as long as you don't have to either pay a crazy amount or trade a crazy amount to get him. I can't remember if he's a free agent, but yeah, if you can go get him, yeah. So if you can go get him without giving up a first round pick. Yeah. I think you absolutely do that. Okay. No. And I mean, cause you're, you're reducing minutes for Dante Exum at that point. Sure. But but you're also can play him at the two. He doesn't have to just be a point guard. Right. You play him at the you three, can see that too. point. No, I, I would say that the Jazz probably disagree with you there. In terms of what I've heard from Quinn Snyder and, and the Jazz front office, they believe so much in Dante Exum as a point guard. He's a point guard. That's oh who he's yeah. Be. I don't think you have to. I don't. I'm not saying you never play him at the point guard. I just think you. No, I. Uh, the versatility in today's NBA is such a valuable thing. Okay. So I think you can play him at. I mean, you can essentially play him at the shooting guard and still use him as a point guard type of attacking guy. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. There are a lot of you know two point guard line. I mean, maybe this is this is a little ambitious, but like the two point guard system that the Raptors employ with Kyle Lowry and Corey Joseph, hmm. you could do that yeah. with you know Darren Collison and Dante Exum. What do you do? You expect what? I guess yeah. What do you expect from Dante Exum next year? I mean, it's so hard to say. Ex- You've had some experience with guys coming back from ACL right. <laughs> as a as a Timberwolves follower. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't think you expect him to be good. It, like I, it should be a struggle. It, it depends on what they do with him this summer. Like, does he get to play in the Olympics? Does he get to uh, play summer league? You know, how much do you use him? How much is rehab? How much is just working on his game? Mm. Um, you have to get him used to the contact at some point, hopefully before training camp. But that, you know, that's kind of a tricky thing to do while still being cautious with him. But yeah, like he he will struggle coming back from the injury because most guys struggle coming back from the injury. It doesn't mean second half of the season can't be great for him. So I think that that's what you want. I think you want to build towards the second half of the season where he gets that all-star break, he gets that rest, um, he gets to kind of recalibrate everything, work on his body, and then closes the season maybe as your starting point guard and is just an absolute force defensively for you. Question two for, again, a experienced ACL recovery watcher. Dante Axon has been working out a lot 
in on the court with yeah. Jazz in Jazz practices, shoot arounds, uh, pregame. I mean, we see him all the time, maybe sure. more than other Jazz players, because he, he usually works out at the end of games, right, or at the end of practices, at the end of shoot arounds, where we're able to see him. Is that unusual for guys coming back from ACLs? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the timing of it helps, right? Because okay. it happened during the summer. You keep him out this entire season. He gets to you know, I I don't know, like around December or January, whenever he started, like kind of really getting into to practices with them or doing drills, mm-hmm. um, you know, it helps to have all that time, but there's still that aspect of like, you're up to game speed. He's still learning the game quite a bit. Right. I mean, he right. hasn't played that much in, in the NBA. He hasn't played that much in highly competitive basketball period. So there will be rust. There will be growing pains in terms of just mental adjustments, uh, learning the speed of the game, learning the, the different speeds of the game. You know, there, there's a lot there for him to kind of absorb and get quickly in order to catch up to where this team is, or at least where we think this team can be. So the Jazz just were close and then gave up three straight turnovers and six straight thunder points. Not great for the Maybe comeback. Maybe not close, but uh, yeah. The, 12. Uh, okay, yeah. That's, yeah. that's striking that's distance That's striking distance. This is less striking distance. Yeah, and of course, Joe Ingles is your playmaker at the top of the key to end the quarter. <laughs> that, old, uh, that old classic Joe Ingles, Trey Lyles, two-man game. Yeah, it's uh, – oh, and then they just fouled them in the bonus, so they'll go to the free throw line. In other words, it looks like the comeback is off. I'm sorry. Well, I'm have, sorry, I, have I told you about my, my nine-minute fourth quarter theory? No, <laughs> you'll have to sell me it's on It's basically that the, the same thing as the seven-minute third-quarter theory. It's just a lot more frantic and less likely to happen. You know, with two weeks ago and the our feeling, quote-unquote, that the Jazz would beat the Warriors, yeah. you think we would stop this nonsense of, like, praying for miracles? Sure. And uh, it, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, you could not have feelings about games. That's probably a safer way to go through the <laughs> entire game watching process. I mean, I, I just I don't know how much I believe in our feelings anymore. No, I mean I'm definitely I think it's safer to be. Like, I don't believe in John's feelings. Yeah, anymore, I think sure. we're out on John's feelings. No offense, John. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like it's probably better. It's probably safer to be like team dead inside, right? Like no feelings at all. <laughs> like, that's probably inside. the way to go. Hashtag. Oh nope. There are some extra points. All right, so. <laughs> We're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the jazz, uh, the chances the Jazz make the playoffs. Right now, models say they're pretty good. We'll talk about those next on the Salsa Dupe Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. It's just so solid. Some solid Stevie Wonder here. Uh, I'm laughing at the Jazz's missed shots and turnovers. And lineup. And lineup. I mean, they, they've, they've given up. Let's be real. We've got uh, Trey Burke, Trey, let's see, Trey Burke, Chris Johnson, Joe Ingles, Trey Lyles, and Jeff Withy lineup out there. I.e., the worst five players you could play, I think. Here's the thing, though. I think that's the worst. If they bring back in the starters, this is going to be night and day. Yeah, it's like going. It's gonna look a lot better. It's like going from a knuckleballer to like a, just a flamethrower closer. Bad news though. Yeah, <laughs> down twenty six. Well, I mean, you may have to go with the starters earlier than you would have normally. Yeah, at this point, maybe put him in Alec Burks. I mean, he's in his dress clothes, he but can't hurt right now. No, it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's going great. We still have a minute and a half to that nine minute mark, though. That's that's true. That's when <laughs> the greatest comeback in NBA history uh, begins. Now. Unlikely things have happened in the NBA tonight. 
The Cleveland Cavaliers have also lost to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. 104-95. full-strength Cleveland Cavaliers team. Well, I mean, good for them. And uh, the Chicago Bulls has dropped two straight to the Knicks. Yeah, those are bad losses. Yeah. Just New York teams, bad losses. (laughs) Especially, I mean, the Bulls lost two in a row to the the Knicks. That's bad. Brooklyn, losing one in a row to Brooklyn is, is pretty bad. Especially at this point. Now, despite this loss, though, the Jazz are still in actually a good situation, believe it or not. Uh, if you look at all the modeling, and admittedly, this was before tonight's result, but sure. tonight's result was an expected one, right? You look at a back-to-back game on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder, you're not going to have a very good chance of winning that game. And so the Jazz, again, before tonight's game, had a 90% chance of making the playoffs, according to 538, 83% according to ESPN's model, 83% according to Basketball References model. And then CBS Sportsline, which I don't, I don't know why that's a good website at all. Is, uh, I mean, I would definitely sign up. That's <laughs> what I would. I would read the NBA coverage or just let the ad on the video play. That's what I would do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't really need to do anything else. <laughs> just, just let the ad play. Make sure that ad plays yeah. and close it. Don't just, turn autoplay off. Uh, meanwhile, Mavericks and Rockets somewhere in between 36 and uh, 76%, or sorry, 36 and 56% for the Mavericks, and then uh, 66 and 81% that the Rockets still make the playoffs. The point is that all of a sudden, since last week's show, it's now looking actually pretty likely that the Jazz make the playoffs. It looks good. I mean, they you know, they've got a... They really have to win that Dallas game. Yeah. That seems like a that's must still, win. The, I mean, I know it's far away. Win. It might end up being a must win. It, uh, they can do things between now and then to make it a not must sure. win. And I think that's the goal for this. I team, mean, I think, right? the, I think the problem is that it, even, if you, even if you have a tie in the season series, the, the next tiebreaker is conference record. Right. And the and Jazz have a pretty bad conference Yeah, record. and they're behind both the Mavs and the Rockets. That can change between now and then, but... It's certainly not likely to. Right. I mean, I think the Jazz have a 19 and 24 record in conference right now, where the the Rockets are 24 and 22, something, something like, like that. that. And so. I think the Mavs are about 500. Yeah, and the Mavs. I mean, the Mavs they only play them three times during the whole year. So oh, that's true. They, yeah. you know, there's no tiebreaker there. It's it's going to be whoever wins or right. loses that penultimate game in the Jazz schedule. Uh, and, and so yeah, you you kind of look at that, and I think uh, that game against the Mavericks, and then. The other thing that I think the numbers overstate the Jazz's case a little bit is that the Mavericks play the Spurs in their final game of the season. Which? And I just don't see a way that the Spurs play all of their best players. But here's the counter to that. Okay. Jazz play the Lakers. Jazz do play the Lakers, on, right. On Kobe's last game. Like, he's going to shoot 45 times. And can't possibly make them. He's he not. hasn't this year. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe he's saving them all up for the last it's, game. I mean, it could be like a... a Great sports moment where he <laughs> scores probably, 82 in his final game and I'm then sure signs out. But yeah, I, I'm not betting a whole lot of good play from. Yeah, so I mean, but what I'm saying is the modeling has already taken into account that the Lakers suck. Right. It is not taken into account that the Spurs may not play the rest players. Yeah, that's true, and, and I think. But I, here's the other thing with the Spurs: every lineup they put out there this year is good. Kills. That's a good. Point. So maybe it won't it matter. matter, and it just. It, it just seems like, I don't know, without Chandler Parsons, it's hard to imagine that this That's this Mavericks point. team can can stay together just because he's so important for them. Not just the shooting, the playmaking, that versatility he, he provides at the 3-4 position. You know, now you have to play more of, of Justin Anderson, who I like, but he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, maybe that means more Charlie Villanueva if he's still healthy. Um, 
maybe you play three-point guards of Ray Felton, J.J. Barea, Darren Williams at the same time. I mean, there's just not a lot of options for that. Yeah. What, what's happened with Zaza's minutes? Zaza Pachulia. I think minutes. he's back in the starting lineup now that Parsons okay. is hurt. But uh, what, what, what happens? I there, think they I just made a push to try to make him an all-star and it didn't happen. They're like, <laughs> all right, we're done with you. You're not an all-star. Yeah, no, they, they the went lineup. small and, and they went with a lot of like Dwight Powell at the power forward, I believe. And it didn't work. Yeah. At all. Like it's it's really bad offensively for them. It's just it just seems strange like that Zaza seemed to be playing so well, certainly not an all-star candidate sure. like the one direction guy thought, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> regardless. What an amazing sentence that was. <laughs> A sentence based in reality. Yeah, I also saw thought these uh Impredict does these playoff seed probabilities, so not only like the chances that the Jazz will make the playoffs, but mm-hmm. here are the chances that they'll fall in each spot. And it, they said a 7% chance for the 5th seed, 16% chance for the 6th seed, 31% chance for the 7th seed, 30% chance for the 8th seed, and then 16% chance for the ninth seed. So 84% chance to make the playoffs. But I thought it was interesting that they said that the Jazz have a higher percent chance of getting the 7th seed than the 8th seed. Yeah, In other I mean, words, I, I I was about to book tickets to Golden State after last night. And now you may be heading to the Alamo. Not, exactly. I didn't even see... Oh, I was there for the... The finals where they won. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the Alamo once. You didn't remember to go to the Alamo. No, well, saying. I walked by it a lot too because my hotel was <laughs> right next to it. Um, but no, I did. I you didn't, forgot the Alamo. Yeah, I forgot Way the Alamo, uh, and it was just staring me in the face. But so maybe go to the Alamo. I don't know if you want to go. Uh, you I mean, don't go the Riverwalk. I would prefer to do Golden State and San Francisco. It's much better. No offense to San Antonio. No, I, just, I, uh, I love the Bay Area. And ultimately, actually, from a Jazz perspective, I think it's a much more interesting matchup. Like. I think the Jazz have shown at least a capability to stay with the Warriors in one of their games so far this season. Yeah, and make them uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable, but just take them out of their rhythm. Yeah, and they haven't shown that with the Spurs whatsoever. Right. Uh, And the Warriors, I mean, whatever. Like, this is probably going to change by the time the first round starts, but they haven't looked completely invincible even though they're still winning games. Yeah, uh, although I think some of that's because of their injuries, which will probably heal over the next two weeks. You would think so, yeah. Yeah. but and ultimately, it's just more fun, I think, to play the Warriors and the Spurs. You know, sure. Last time the Jazz made the playoffs, they got swept by the Spurs. Like we've seen this play before of right. eight seed Jazz or you know bottom tier Jazz team losing in four games to the Spurs. I I want a new movie at least. Sure, even if it's the same ending, you just want yeah, a new movie. It's going to be a short movie, right? <laughs> and it's going to be a tragic movie, but yeah, it's a tragic short. Speaking of movies. Yeah, I saw Ten Cloverfield Lane last night. Really, I I recommend it. The, that's the new one, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a good. I felt like it was a good movie. I saw This Is the End last night for the first Ooh, time. Oh, I like that. And I I was not a big fan. Not actually. a big fan, really. See, I I thought it was too inside. Like that's why I liked it. See, I I was just like I don't care, Jonah Hill. Like <laughs> I know this is Jonah Hill, and these are Jonah Hill jokes. Yeah. I just I. I wanted more than Jonah Hill jokes, I guess. I wasn't crazy about the, I don't know, maybe the last twenty minutes of it, but I like the I like the build up of of uh, this is yeah the the, the last twenty twenty minutes got a little monstery. Yeah, I'm excited to see the train wreck that is Batman vs Superman. Yeah, yeah I, I, have, you, have you already bought your tickets? No, I'm just gonna go tomorrow morning. Uh, Perfect. And, and yeah, just do the matinee thing. Do the. showing and and watch the carnage. All right. We got to take a break. On the other side, we've got Jared Zwirling joining us, talking about Rodney Hood and the Utah Jazz. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show. You're listening to it on ESPN 700.
analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Sometimes I think life is just a rodeo. The trick is to ride. All right, welcome back in to the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Uh, the Jazz are losing. <laughs> I don't, oh, scores 101 75. Four minutes, 49 seconds left. Uh, as we mentioned, Trey Burke is playing and is actually four for eight since he got entered into the game. It's looking very likely, actually, that he will be the Jazz's leading scorer tonight because all he has to beat is Rodney Hood with 11. Um, so, you know, props to Trey Burke for that. Looter in a right. He's 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 gonna get out there. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like the Jazz are gonna come back and win this game now. You're to- now <laughs> now I'm out. Now is when you figure it's yeah. it's it's a lost cause. Yeah, I don't know. Twenty five points, four and a half minutes. All right. Well, let's talk to Jared Swirling because he's got a limited amount of time. I appreciate him for taking time out to talk to us today. He had a great article on the NBA uh, NBA Players Association website today about Rodney Hood. So we thought we'd bring him in and talk about Rodney for a little bit. Jared, how are you? I'm great, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, so uh, kind of wanted to ask you your impressions of just talking to Rodney Hood. You've got some great quotes in, in the article about kind of the, the player and person that he is. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I know his agent real well, Travis King. You know, Travis represents Mario Stoudemire, Cameron Payne. So, you know, I had a chance to kind of get to know Rodney a little bit even uh, at the draft. And, you know, the first thing with Rodney, he's so laid back and he's on his own little world. You know, I saw him in Toronto and he was just basically hanging by himself and you know he's even his fashion is not very flashy you know he's just is very chill down to earth dude and that's his personality on the court you know he doesn't show a lot of emotion uh, he seems very focused uh, but he's a killer if you look at his uh, isolation stats even just with, via synergy sports he's actually the best swingman uh isolation scorer in the game averaging around about 1.05 points per play which is pretty awesome if you watch him play as you guys know you know he's taking over a lot of ball handling responsibilities without Trey Burke and Dante Axum and Alex Burks, and he's doing a fantastic job off pick and rolls, breaking down the defense, Six foot eight lefty. He's got a great hop step, so he gets great elevation on his jump shot uh, from, from three and catching shoots and also in the mid-range. So on uh, his passing, he made a game-winning pass last night to Derek Faber. So overall, he's stepping in really well. So it's a role he didn't think he would really be playing this season with the injuries and his talent coming from Duke. Uh, he's definitely stepping up. Hey, Jared, I think in the in the past the coaches have kind of said, like, Rodney Hood is, is very – hard on himself, almost too hard on himself at times. Do you get that sense from talking to him that he, he's more focused on maybe the failures he has to overcome than, than maybe the successes? Uh, I, I don't see it much. I mean, I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, look, like for example, last night, what, what did he go for, like one for seven from three? But, you know, ten seconds to go, who has the ball? Right. Rodney Hood. And, and he makes the playoff James Harden. James Harden's not the best defender, but it is still James Harden, top five player in the league. So there might be some intimidation level, you know, five seconds to go. It breaks down the pick and roll with the double team, goes uh, penetrates the lane, dish to Derek Favors, game winner. So that goes to show you right there he's not phased. And, you know, even when you see him attack, uh, he, he's always uh, – uh, some, some guys like to kind of read the defense, you know, take maybe an extra second. But, uh, you know, with the game now so fast-paced, uh, you know, and things like that, he's just going. He's always in attack mode. Um, so I, I think – I don't see it. I, I, I think that – you know, the biggest thing is just kind of maybe just getting used to the role. I mean, he didn't expect this. Uh, he expected to be playing, of course, but not having to basically be the second facilitator after Gordon Hayward. So uh, for what he's having to do with the decimated injuries and things like that, I think overall he's doing a good job. But, you know, I think as he goes throughout his career, he'll definitely improve. You know, he's, he's already shown that improvement this season. 
Yeah, I guess that was going to be my next question, Jared, is is kind of what do you see from him in terms of how he wants to improve? You know, I, I asked him this kind of recently, and he said he wants to become a, a legitimate lockdown defender in the league. Like, this is... He kind of has that as envisioned for himself in, in that way, and, and he's got a long ways to go there. But do you think he he sees himself as a you know legitimate every night impact star to to kind of uh, play through those kind of bad shooting nights, maybe? Yeah, you know, I, I was I was watching him guard James Harden. You know, that's obviously a tough matchup, and but that was his assignment. And uh, you know, Harden definitely got the better of him in, in many ways. You know. Even eight steals, so so obviously Hood struggled a little bit offensively, obviously last night. But you know he's going to be in starting five. I think I think that's pretty much clear now. Even with Exum coming back and Alex Burks potentially, you know I, you know obviously uh, not this uh, season, but probably over the summer. But I, I think it's pretty, it's pretty much fair to say he's going to be in the starting five. So he's going to have to get used to uh, those matchups. But uh, you know as far as his evolution, I would say you know finishing at the rim for sure. He likes to do that floater shot, as you've seen. Uh, but it's getting really more to the paint, uh, more to the basket, drawing fouls. So uh, knowing how to absorb contact at the rim, um, and also just you know more of a just um, consistency from three. You know, I think even like one for seven. You know, he's shooting a a lot of threes this year. He's around 34 percent. So you like to see that number up around thirty eight percent, thirty nine. So that's probably one thing that you'll see more from, especially uh, when Dante and other point guards come back. He's going to probably get more opportunities off the ball. So those are, those are things that I'm watching for uh, when next season comes around. In one of the cases where I was actually right about a draft prospect before, <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe he dropped the way he did. And you, and you you mentioned in the article like just him going twenty third. It was it was a shock to even him because he just he thought he was better than that. He thought he was uh, better than some yep. of the guys that went ahead of him. And and you know I, maybe it's cliche to say like oh these guys use slights to to motivate themselves, but I think when you drop the way he does when when you're probably a top ten guy in that draft, you drop to twenty three. You want to show everyone like you kind of screwed up on this one. Yeah, you know, he even said himself, I never, I didn't think I would have this role uh, this early in my career. A lot of injuries last year, you know, he missed 32 games. But as far as dropping, you know, I remember that draft uh, class and, and just sort of the projections for Rodney Hood. A lot of the talk was about, you know, he was maybe just more of a spot-up shooter. That Duke team was pretty loaded. You know, he didn't really he didn't really come more alive in that, until really later in the, in the season that year. Uh, and, you know, he wasn't a main facilitator in that offense. So, you know, but now, you know, you're seeing it. You're seeing what he used to do at Marine High School, you know, when he was a two-time state player of the year. Um, and with the opportunities, he's definitely stepping up. So, yeah, dropping to 23, you know, he had a great quote. He said to me, you know, it's not about, it's not about you're the 23rd best player, you know, based on where you, where you go. It's the best situation. And he talked to one of Utah with the young crew, with the rebuilding process that they had there, he would be, you know, able to play. And even though he missed 32 games last year, he did, you know, he did play very well in the last month of the season last year. Uh, when when uh, Alec Burks and, and um, I forget the other player that was out, I think Trey Burks was out, and you know he stepped up 17 points per game in that last month of the season. So that was really a great momentum factor moving into this season. Jared, uh, obviously you're now working for the MBPA, but in terms of your, your past working for CBS Sports, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, Bleacher Report, you know, kind of going down the line. Um, obviously very familiar with the league. Uh, we had a question from one of our uh, readers on Twitter today, kind of asking if this Jazz core can be a championship team. And I kind of wanted your thought on that. Can you think a core of Dante Axum, Rodney Hood, Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert can be a championship caliber uh, kind of team eventually? Well, I, they might need one more star, one more big-time score, potentially, I would say probably a, a bigger two-way player. 
Uh, defensively, they're very, very good. You know, as you saw last year with Dante and Rudy really holding down the, the perimeter and the interior, uh, the defensive numbers were out of the world. And I, and I think, you know, now that they're in the eighth spot in the, in the West, you know, they're still a great defensive team for the most part. You know, Rodney Stephan has been great. Shelvin Mack lately has been great. They needed, a, you know, more of a facilitator, really true point guard, so Shelvin's doing a nice job. But, you know, they're, they're a nice team. I think they've done a great job with their in-house development. It's a kudos to the organization there and, and uh, Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder, you know, bringing guys in that want to be there. And, and, you know, a lot of the guys that they have now, they've had basically the core for the last couple of years now. But they're still going to need probably another big two-way guy. You know, Utah's not the most attractive destination. But, uh, you know, it's nice to see how well they've developed in-house because a lot of teams don't necessarily do the best job with that. They look for free agency and try to make a splash. But the Jazz have done a nice job. And they don't know and really watch them because they're not really on national TV a lot. But uh, they, have, they have done a nice job overall. Do you think part of that, you know, as they build the team, I think kind of the question is do they go out and try to get somebody either in free agency or, you know, which is an, an attractive destination, like you said, or by using a trade with the cap space? Or do you kind of just build slow and, and wait to pay your own players as you develop them? What do you, what do you think is the most likely strategy for how they keep this core together and, and build upon this core? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see it. They're making a big splash in free agency, really. But, you know, with uh, Dante and Alex and some of the injuries, I, I think their focus is getting these guys back. Uh, you're going to see, you know, more of the same roster, I think, next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, I think it's all about in-house development for the Jazz. You know, even guys like Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, you know, they're still very young. You know, Gobert is a great defensive player, but offensively, can he improve? Can he be uh, more of a post-up guy? Can he be a go-to threat in the post? You know, we really haven't seen that. He's more of a pick-and-roll kind of guy. But, you know, they have some nice pieces. They just have to develop them a little bit better. Uh, and they'll get there, I think. You know, it's still, you know, a very tough Western Conference. Um, you know, that's the, that's the hardest part. If they were in the East, you know, they could be a, a five, four seed this year, you know, but, uh, they're, they are in the West. So that's always, that's always a challenge out there to see how, how they're going to do. But, uh, they have some nice pieces. I think it just, it's just been hard to read this year how, how good they can be with their injuries. But, uh, I think their focus has to be, uh, the off season and, and try to make a, you know, splash with the guys that they have. All right, Jared, we, we promised we'd let you go, uh, not take too much of your time. But where can, I mean, is there anything we should be watching out for in terms of, uh, your writing moving forward, or um, you know anything you're working on that you want to tell our listeners about? Yeah, I mean, my next tour is going to be uh, on Boris Diaw inside his filmmaking photography world. I had a chance to spend some time with Boris uh, a couple weeks ago. Very cool. Uh, so it's going to be a very fascinating story inside his off the court world. And yeah, I know a lot of a lot of other things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're basically on mbpa.com, you know, the Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. So I really appreciate it. That's kind of we're we're uh, you know uh, putting the stories out and stuff. Well, you, know, you do good work, and so that's why we wanted to bring you on the show today. Anyway, thank you so much, Jared, for joining for sure. us. No, no, thank you for having me, man. Talk, talk to you soon. All right, so that was that was Jared Zwirling of the MBPA joining us. Uh, he wrote that article on Rodney Hood. Go check it out at MBPA.com if you haven't wrote, written about it. I've also got it linked on my Twitter feed at Andy B. Larson, or you know, you can always follow Jared at Jared Zwirling, too. Um, Two is the word there. As well, yeah. As well. Right. You can follow him at Jared Zwirling. Period. Period. <laughs> but don't spell out period. Don't put. Don't spell out period. Don't write the number You don't need the punctuation two. at all. No. No. It, well, you need the at. That's, that's <laughs> true. If you want to use Twitter, you're going to need an at symbol. Uh, this is, this this is, is profession- a difficult job. This is professional interneting right here. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about, while we've got this time, um, I wanted to talk about something uh, well okay jonathan abram's new book just came out yes boys among men 
And I've got it in my backpack here. You okay. do. You've I've got been, it in your hand. I've got it in my hand. Wow. I'm not even like paid to do this book report no. to you, but uh, it's just it's really good and it's really fantastic. interesting. And so I, I wanted to talk about it. Basically, he talks about kind of the the ten years in NBA history where all of a sudden high school players made a, a bigger impact in the league than ever before. From 1995, when Kevin Garnett was drafted, to 2005, when the rules changed and and all these players now had to go to at least one year of college. There's this this decade, kind of this generation of players that really made an impact on the game from right. Kevin Garnett to LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Uh, you kind of go down the list and it's just kind of shedding a light on this this argument. Should should players have to play a year in college or not? First of all, yeah. What are your thoughts on kind of this overall topic? Yeah, it's it's tricky because I think that I, I can see both sides of it. I'm not trying to like, you know, sit on a fence here and not take a side. I I think it, it changes for me kind of daily based on whatever argument I, I hear or I think about. Uh yeah, I read I read Jonathan's book. I talked to him about it um on a podcast. Like he it, it's a phen- phenomenal book that really lays out a great story of the entire era. For me, I don't have a problem with the NBA if they decide like, no, these are the requirements to be in our league is you have to be this old. You know, right. David Stern kind of makes the argument at some point of look if a if a business or if if the New York Times say no you need to have gone to journalism school you need a journalism de- degree you like you need this kind of experience to come work for our paper that's within their rights mm-hmm. i think the nba also has those rights to do that now they might be missing out on some good writers who don't have journalism degrees Absolutely. like you and i for example <laughs> exactly. never taken a journalism class in my life <laughs> but you know that's that's kind of the 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 risk you run there at the same time there's this argument of like well why not this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't the NFL, right? This isn't uh, a sport where physically you can be in danger right. playing from high school to the NBA. You're probably not going to die. And it's a scam, right? Like this whole like one year thing. Players are in classes enough in the first semester to qualify or to be eligible for the second semester, and then once the games are over, they're done. Yeah, right for the one and dones. And maybe you get every once in a while a kid that decides, oh, I'd like to stay for a second year. Maybe you get a Marcus Smart. Maybe you get a Chris Dunn. Right, mm-hmm. but. This is a situation where, you know, there's just it's it just seems like a placeholder in time, yeah. and it's to protect the the teams. It's to protect the teams from investing in a player that maybe becomes Leon Smith or Andrew Lang or one of the really troubling stories from the past. But if you look at the history of it, there are way more successes. Like there's always been this argument that for every Kevin Garnett, there's four Leon Smiths. That's actually not true. Yeah, I, I think it's about I think it's about what you'd get from college guys. I mean, maybe a little bit more variance. Sure. Like, okay, so like I'm looking at the high school rankings from 2014. So that would be this most recent draft class, yeah. with, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and whatever else. You've got Emmanuel Moutier, number one. Sure. But Cliff Alexander is number two. Right. Ahead of Jaleel Okafor at number three and Carl Anthony Towns all the way down at number seven. So in some sense, from an NBA perspective, that extra year of college lets you get some information on these guys, right? Certainly. Like you found out that Carl Anthony Towns is, is a deserved number one pick based on his play. Right. And you found out that Cliff Alexander is probably going to be a mess and, and no one drafted him. Yeah, absolutely. But isn't that also, I think maybe the thing that, that really started screwing this up was agents controlling the workouts okay. and making sure that that players didn't want, like, they, I'm not going to work out for this team. And not that this was only evident in this era. This has happened a lot in the history of the NBA. But by doing that, you don't get the extra look at these guys. You, and that one look maybe doesn't make up for a year of scouting, 
but it's it's significant. It like, seems like it is. I mean, at least in the way Abrams tells these stories on, you know, Kobe Bryant, for example, the the kind of workouts he had with teams and, and how that changed teams' perceptions. You know, the right. Lakers felt they needed to trade up in order to get him or right. trade, I guess, trade Divac away or uh, Divac, sorry. And, and maybe the Nets felt they had to take him, but then various pressures meant they didn't take Kobe Bryant. You right. know? So it's... I, I guess, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like one workout does make a difference with these high school players, maybe more so than it would with college players. But if you've got a high school guy that's not doing these workouts, then you're then you're lost. Sure, it didn't. I mean, maybe it was the 2012 or 2013 high school class, whatever that was. But wasn't like number one was Nerlens Noel, number two was Shabazz Muhammad. You know, and like, would you yeah. say Shabazz Muhammad was the net, was the second best player of of that high school class two years later? No. But if this, but also like he looks to be a serviceable NBA player. I mean, I think the the thing is is that executives don't want to be wrong, which I get. Like that's your job, right? And, and it and it'll cost you a job if you're like irresponsibly wrong about something like that. So this kind of takes away a little bit of that risk. I guess I would. Lo- I mean, ideally you would like a system in which guys could find their way into the D League right away and develop. By, Instead, in, yeah. by jumping from high school. No, and I I kind of like that as a as a good answer too. I mean, cause, sure. because right now I don't really want the Cliff Alexanders of the world on uh, an NBA roster, even though Cliff Alexander is actually he's, on, an he's NBA on the Portland Trailblazers, <laughs> right? But you know what I mean, yeah. like the the guys. There's who, a difference between Cliff Alexander at 32 or whatever he was picked and and top. He five wasn't picked. picked at all. Oh right, yeah, yeah he fell he, all the way. Yeah. He, yeah, he wasn't picked at all, and and a guaranteed contract for Cliff Alexander is probably too much for him yeah. in in this in his this part of his career. Certainly right. at like the five million dollars a year that you would get as a top five or so selection, which yeah, I think is probably about where he would be based on his. Yeah, it was very high. Yeah, very high rank going into Kansas. Um, by the way, that 2012 high school class is just awful because you've got Nerlens Noel at the top, then Shabazz number two, then you've got Kyle Anderson, Isaiah Austin. That's that's right. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, Stephen Adams, Anthony Bennett, Alex Poitras, like Archie Goodwin. Like I don't know. It it gets kind of wasn't great. No, it's there's this guy named Yogi Ferrell who. Oh, he's a he's a point guard for Indiana. Well, he's he'll he'll be in the draft this year. Okay. He's, he, a, he's a guy. He's good? Yeah, he's fine. He's an NBA player, I think. Okay. So, maybe better than I thought. Maybe just because I hadn't. He's 56th in the mock draft right now in draft Express. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think so, he'll go a little bit higher than that. But, um, but yeah, like he would have been, what, a top 10 guy in that yeah. high school draft or uh, somewhere in Yeah, those? I mean, probably a first rounder. Is, yeah. uh, we'll say that. Right. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I, so I, I see kind of from an NBA perspective, I, I kind of want those guys to have, I, I want more information basically. Sure. Yeah. Especially if you're making that decision, like you, you want as much information as possible. Right. Cause that, that lowers the risk. Yeah. And, and so I, I kind of understand it, but on the other hand, it just sucks that these guys have to go through the charade. That's the thing that, and I think I kind of wish that, um, more people would have the, the comfort in going the Brandon Jennings route, where he went mm-hmm. overseas for a year. I but think, overseas is scary for an 18-year-old. Absolutely, like, yeah. But I, if we could figure out a way to make that work, and you do that with agents and handlers, and, you know, like, I mean, it takes a pretty – like, Brandon Jennings handled it really well. He didn't play great, but he handled it really well. He handled it very maturely, whereas the next guy who did that was Jeremy Tyler, who was an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, maybe scared guys away from going that route. But, I, I mean, look, if you're good enough at 18 to get paid to play basketball – 
you should go get paid to play basketball. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. And, and maybe, yeah, that, that kind of enhanced D-League would be yeah. a, a nice way to but do it. But you have to raise the... You have to raise the salary because yeah, those guys are getting $15,000 a right, year. You, and, that's just a joke. But, you know, that hopefully should change anyway, regardless yeah. of whether or not you believe those guys could, could go to the D-League. But I, I think that's a legitimate answer to this sort of problem. Is, yeah, because the, the age limit's not going to go away. Yeah. They, like, once, it's, once that has been established... They're never going to let that go unless never. I, I like I I could. I mean, I mean, once you once you give something up in a negotiation, years later to get that back in a yeah. labor negotiation, I just don't think it's likely. I don't think it's something that the players' union cares that much about. That's the thing too: is that do veterans do? Does a fifteen-year veteran want to vote yes on getting rid of the age limit when that m- maybe means that they don't have a job next year? Right. No. That, I mean, that's just kind of the the deal with that. Right. Um. But with I don't know with the whole thing. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm just conflicted on it. Like, I think it's. I think it's within their right to go get paid to play basketball. And let's not pretend that some of those guys aren't getting paid in college to go that's, play basketball. That's fair. They, I mean, at this point, they're probably being paid more in college than they might be in the D League. Yeah, but Emmanuel Mudiay went went to play in China, and it kind of worked. It yeah, I mean, he was out. hurt. The injury yeah, was right. really the thing but, there, but, he but was, that could have happened. Anyway. He was mature enough to handle it and got paid well to do it, and was a top seven pick or whatever wherever he was picked in the draft. Yeah, I mean, you get the sense that like Kevin Garnett would have handled that pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then there was... But even the, you read in the book, like, he, he didn't really... Like, he wasn't ready for this, yeah, for, a, okay. for a lot of the physical yeah, trials of, of everything. I mean, he had to learn it, but he had the right mentality but to learn it. You, you, I mean, maybe the, the Chinese league doesn't have some of those physical trials that the NBA does. True, yeah, that's a very good point. Anyway. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we're going to do around the NBA, look at the current NBA standings now that the Jazz have lost tonight, uh, talk about some LOL Lakers... Some sports mascot Hall of Fame and more next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Jazz lost tonight, 113-91 to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are a good team. Felt way closer um, than that. <laughs> Felt like the comeback was imminent. At, at no point did it feel closer than that. <laughs> Zach is a liar. Um, we'll talk about that game in the next segment. But for now, we're going to go around the NBA, talk about the current standings, some news and notes from around the league. Let's start talking about the standings. Um, again, every week we look at the Eastern Conference, and it's it's still super bunched up from 3 to 6, and then again from 7 to, seven to 10. Those Chicago Bulls, though. Slipping. They are. As we talked about, lost two in a row to the New York Knicks, a home and home. That's not great for them and their chances of making the playoffs. They're now a game and a half out uh, behind Detroit for that eighth seed. Up ahead of them is uh, is the Indiana Pacers in the seventh seed. Uh, and then you take a three-game jump to get to that three through six jumble where all the teams are separated by just a half game. Atlanta and Boston are currently tied with a 42-30 and 30 record. Miami and Charlotte both have 41-30 and 30 records. So That's it, crazy. Like, I mean, and, and it makes such a big difference, right? If you've got home court advantage, who you end up playing in the, in the second round if you do right. win those do you avoid the? Are you able to avoid the Cavs in the, in the second round and, and maybe meet them in the finals if you can upset the Raptors? Right. Would you rather be the sixth seed than the the fifth seed, say. Yeah, I think so. Would you, then six seed or four seed, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, no no offense to the Raptors, who I think are excellent. I think they're not going to have the same problems in the playoffs they've had the last two years, but until they prove it, you kind of just, you'd rather roll your roll the dice with them. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, that's that's going to be interesting to watch. And I, I think depending on how it com- turns out, there can be a lot of interesting playoff series there too. I mean, if you look at like a potential Atlanta-Miami first-round series, that'd be fantastic. Uh, I, I think like Boston-Charlotte would be interesting. I, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there. That would be a lot of fun. Um, Western Conference, again, it's the Warriors and the Spurs and then everybody else. Uh, Warriors now lead the Spurs by four games after the Spurs' loss. Uh, this week, who are they? Who did they lose to again? The the Charlotte Hornets. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, Big and game Jeremy for Lin. Lin Sanity came back. Yes, it was great. Uh, and then Oklahoma City Thunder trailed them by still ten and a half games. That's crazy. Uh, this Thunder team is fifty and twenty two, and they trail second in the conference by or they yeah second in the conference by ten and a half. First in the conference by fourteen and a half. Yikes! That's I mean, just nuts. It's it's stupid. The, it's <laughs> it's really stupid. <laughs> Uh, Clippers are fourth. Have been kind of struggling. Have lost their last three and are three and seven in their last ten. Memphis is number five. They actually have a better record in their last ten than the Los Angeles Clippers, which is discouraging given how messed up the Grizzlies roster. I mean, they have right three now. guys I've never heard of. That's a lot. Yeah, for for you, <laughs> right? I'm a, I'm a pretty big basketball nerd. I've never heard of like two or three other guys. Let's let's see. I mean, I I kind of want to just go through again their their lineup for the last game. I believe they the got rid of Briante Weber. Ah so that's, man, that's but uh, he was starting for them. He, he was. <laughs> I believe they have a guy called Xavier Munford. Yep. Which sounds like is a, he playing now? Sounds like a an indie band vocalist. <laughs> Uh, Zach Randolph is back, so that's good. That's good. Tony Bert, Allen went 12-12 the other Chris night. Chris Anderson is back. Matt Barnes. Tony Allen is... Hey, those are going to be players. Ray McCallum. I mean, they don't have a point guard, per se. They're playing Tony Allen and Ray McCallum yeah. as, as your backcourt, but whatever. Those it's are fine. Be they got Jordan Farmar playing 31 minutes a night. Jordan Farmar is back in the league. That's how desperate they are. Yes. He sucks, and he's back in the league. Uh, so... Anyway, that they're doing better than the Clippers right now is is not great for the team from Los Angeles. Portland six seed at uh, thir- uh, with a thirty seven and thirty five record. Dallas thirty five and thirty six. Houston Rockets thirty five and thirty seven, which now ties Utah Jazz, who have an identical thirty five and thirty seven record. Again, those last four seeds, and especially the last three, are I guess Dallas, Houston, and Utah. There's one one team there is going to fall out. I guess I, I guess I'd go with Dallas. Dallas falling out. I mean, they're two and eight out of their last ten. They've got Chandler Parsons hurting. Yeah. They, I don't know. I can't. I can't believe in this Houston team. I'm done with this Houston team. I don't even care if they end up getting to the sixth seed and, last and night, getting to the second round. I'm done with them. Last night was a perfect example of like a game that they knew that they had to win. Yeah. Kind of came in playing decently and still lost because they turned it off. You're just shaking your head because you can't say right. anything. This is what I feel like. Um, they When I was in high school, I took a, an AP economics class. Okay. And my teacher at the beginning of the semester said, if you do all the work, if you take every quiz, if you take every test and you take the AP test, you will get no lower than a B minus in this class, no matter how you do. So what did I do? I did the work and didn't learn anything. But and you got a B minus yeah, at least. I just showed up, but I didn't try. This feels like they think like, oh, well, our talent will get us a B minus. That's it. That's all we need. We're good on that. I mean, they might get a what? What's the equivalent of getting the ninth seed and, and not making the playoffs? That that seems like a C minus to me. That does seem like dude. They do get to keep their pick. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So that's a thing. So I mean, otherwise it goes to Denver. So <laughs> maybe, I guess maybe that's what they're going for. Moral James victories. Really cares about that fifteenth. He pick, really wants that fourteenth pick. That cost-effective rookie contract <laughs> helping him win. 
Uh, meanwhile, the, I mean, what does Dwight Howard do this offseason, too? Cash in. That's the thing. As mediocre <sighs> as he's been by his standards, um, Still, there's a lot of money to spend. All right. And he's he's worthy of some of it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's it's interesting. I hate this team. I just hate him. Uh, that's because you've watched too much. Of I've him. watched way too many Rockets games. Uh, okay, so this LOL Lakers story, and we're going to play the LOL Lakers music, but only for like 10 seconds. The Lakers are kind of uh, a bummer. Yeah. In that like, okay, sure, they're losing games. Right. And I kind of feel bad about doing this segment, making fun of them every week on the show. No, um, you don't. <laughs> uh, no, I, I did for a little bit. And then this story comes out this week about Jordan Clarkson and Nick Young just in a, in a car, and they're harassing this woman driving next to them. This woman and her mom, right? This woman and her mom, yeah. which is another ridiculous thing. Um, and this woman turns out to be the head of a women's kind of equality organization. Yeah, it's like an advocate for not harassing women. Right. Like, ironically enough, if you're going to harass anybody, you harass the person trying to teach men not to harass women. Right, and so this woman is just like, hey, these two guys harass me on the street. This is exactly what we're talking about every day. Right. This is, you know, this is the kind of issues that women face every day in this country. And it turns out that the pictures she takes of them, it's clear that it's Jordan Carlton and, and Nick Young. Yeah. Now... Clarkson and Young disagree with the woman on what happened. I should really get her name for this. Thing. Alexis Jones, I believe, Thank is her you. name. Yeah. Uh, but I don't see any way that Alexis Jones made this up. Well, right? here, like she here's, has a picture. Right. Here's what the Lakers said: is that while they respect and they support Alexis Jones on what she does, that they have talked to Jordan and they have talked to Nick, and they believe their side of the story. And without further evidence, they are going to support this woman but still believe their guys. So I don't believe there's any punishment coming. Now, if there is video of this, which I thought she said she had recorded a video, but maybe hmm. she just took pictures. Uh, if there is video of this, well, then that can be pretty damning evidence, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that should right. clear everything up of, of whether they harassed her or not. It, I mean, from the pictures, it seems weird that they would be making the faces they did towards her <laughs> and not be harassing her. Right. And, and what's more unlikely that, like... I guess she could be setting them up and just been it's like, possible. I drove by Nick Young and Jordan Clarkson and they looked at me and got the best. F- uh, there's just, it's possible she's a odds? sociopath, but no way. that seems unlikely. Uh, or that Jordan Clarkson and Nick Young yell at women while they drive. Like that seems more likely. <laughs> I don't want to be judgmental in that case, but yeah, it does. Right. Like that's kind of the, the stereotype of, of, right. of athletes. And actually, kind of going to the other side of the the corner on this, this Lean In Together uh, yeah. campaign that Gordon Hayward and Draymond Green are doing, these commercials run by the NBA about how the players need to actually support women in, in their lives. And, uh, it's perfect timing for that. Perfect timing and, and kind of shows it, the exact opposite end of the spectrum there. Uh, and I uh, ultimately, I think it's really important for this country to have like role models, athlete role models. Absolutely say the right thing instead of doing the wrong thing yeah. IRL. Um by the way, Gordon Hayward's daughter is absurdly cute. Yeah. Oh my god. Bernie Hayward? Yeah. And yeah, no, I yeah. Yeah. I, that was a, that was a bad tangent the off the but I just remember I saw the c- commercial today. I was just like this kid's adorable. Ridiculously adorable. Yeah. I I think it's great that Gordon Hayward did that and yeah. it really, you know, reflects well up on the jazz where Nick Young and Jordan Clarkson's likely behavior um does not reflect well on the Lakers. It won't affect him, but I believe Clarkson is a restricted free agent this summer. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I he still gets a lot yeah, of money. But right. um, does Nick Young stay in the NBA? Yeah, he can still shoot threes. Like for as big of a joke as everyone thinks he is, like he's still a very good three point shooter. Okay. So I think that because of that, he'll at least get minimum deals to stick around and see well, if he can catch the magic. Ever, yeah, convince him to take good three point shots instead of just no, all of them? Okay. no. But he could be fun, and like we we don't really care if he makes shots. We care that he celebrates the misses. That's yeah. all we're looking for. That's all, that's all we want. Yeah. Um, Ethan Sherwood Strauss wrote this great story for ESPN.com Phenomenal. about how uh, Nike lost Steph Curry and Under Armour got the contract. They they mispronounced his name. They called him Kevin Durant in a slide. Apparently, right. his daughter was asked to choose a shoe and chose the Under Armour one. Uh, um, Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore him. was surprisingly a large part of the story. Yeah. And now, according to some estimates. Uh, Steph Curry is worth about fourteen billion dollars to the, the Under Armour brand. Yep, that's a and he's got equity in the brand now with his latest deal. Do you believe um, the unnamed player in his report that the Nike goons are going to come get Ethan? Yeah, Should just we? to even if they're not, Ethan's a very good friend of mine. Just to have him feel the paranoia that it might <laughs> happen, I'm in. He's I, I he's feeling the paranoia. I'm sure he's sure. I I believe in Ethan's paranoia. Funny skills. enough, the first time we were going to have him on this show, he couldn't do it because he was talking to Sonny Vaccaro during that time. Oh, really? Who we talked to for this article? Well, there okay, you go. A little bit of trivia for you. <laughs> Great <laughs> we trivia. We were involved. <laughs> we were involved we in the story. Reported this story. <laughs> if we had interrupted him and said, "No, get on this show," the story, that never, story happens. never happens. Exactly. Uh, Indiana is con- creating, considering creating a sports mascot Hall of Fame. They're putting like three million dollars of tax money towards the sports. That mascot seems Hall like of Fame. a horrible appropriation of money. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> Throw it into the education system. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it just okay. Actually, more. So, its city is probably going to invest about eight million dollars in the structure, oh and then an additional two point five to four million will be spent on interior attractions at the mascot. Hall Are of they Fame. number one in the? in the country in education they would have to be otherwise <laughs> this is insane to me they already have the smartest kids possible awful decisions <laughs> horrible decisions indiana <laughs> i mean I, I, i'm for it no no this <laughs> is a waste so of money it's, it's, i'm they're gonna make this money back are they? It's a, it's who's a going to this investment. thing? Besides you and Zach Lowe, who are going? Who's going to You're this thing? You're not going. You did. You did this bracket too last week. I did. Um, You're telling me that if you know it's in Indiana, Indianapolis. You're at a Pacers game. You're last, not going to the sports mascot Hall of Fame. Last time I was in Indianapolis was during the the Heat Pacers conference finals, and on my off day, I went to see After Earth in the movie theater. Would you have gone to the sports mascot Hall of Fame? No, I would have absolutely seen After Earth because that was a wonderful, horrible delight. Uh, see, and I, I would just go to the mascot Hall of Fame and be one of the two people there. Me and Zach Lowe can hang out. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm still for. It. Is there a, is there a wing where you get to be the inflatable mascot? I think that's that's fair. That's the only way this thing has a chance of succeeding. You talk about education. How about teaching kids how to become mascots? And become that's one of thirty jobs. <laughs> it's, it's sports mascot. So you're 120 talking about one hundred and twenty jobs. <laughs> there are colleges too. No, go learn to read. Go learn to do math so you can count cards. There is so much more you can do than go check out mascots. Go do the counting cards career instead yes. of the mascot career. Take a class about that. That worked out for everybody in the movie, mostly. Uh, <laughs> Not really, yeah. but some people actually sure. got really hurt. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where we are in this list. Uh, Anthony Davis has been tor- playing with a torn labrum for three years, That's and then they decided time. today that the, he didn't still need didn't need surgery on his on his shoulder. He's just doing the knee. He's just doing the and knee. He's out surgery. like three to four months after the knee surgery. But uh, is it going to heal? Like I'm, I'm worried about AD at this point. Um, from my own personal experience, I have a partial tear in my right rotator cuff at the moment. Okay, I've had it for a couple of years, and uh, if I take a lot of like half court shots, um, like I was during summer league, I was shooting, do? I was shooting with, uh, with a friend at one of these things. And we took like half court shots for like a half hour, maybe 40 minutes. We we're mm-hmm. doing a competition. And the next week I couldn't lift my arm. Like mm-hmm. it just hurt so much because of this tear. But for the most part, I can play with it. and It's fine. I like that. The one part of your game that you excel at, you can't, do I can't do or without hurting myself <laughs> further. It's a, it's a horrible it's a cross cruel, to bear. Yeah. It's a cruel, cruel reality. Uh, <laughs> Dwight Howard, this whole stick him thing, you've probably seen it already, but Dwight Howard, you stick him on his hands. Paul Millsap picked up the ball and was like, hey, this ball's sticky. And then after the game, Dwight's like, oh, I've I've done that every game of my career. Uh, You don't. He's like, I don't see what the big deal is. The big deal is it's banned by the NBA, and you just admitted to doing it for at least five years. Yeah. So... Like nothing's How gonna did come he not get fined or, or I don't know. Here's the thing. I think he doesn't normally do that much, and Certainly. he just did too much, and yeah. he got on the ball because he grabbed it right away, and Paul Millsap was like, what well, why did why did he ask to hold the ball if he knew he had too much? It's like I can get rid of some of this by putting it on the ball. Like, like I, I mean, it's Dwight Howard. He doesn't uh, have the best decisions. No, <laughs> no, he does not. No. Uh, LeBron said that he wants to play at some point in his career with uh, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, and Dwayne Wade. So would I. <laughs> Sign me up. That sounds easy. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> he said he would take a pay cut at some point. I mean, I don't know if this means like they're all 38 and they go join the 76ers or yeah. somebody. I guess so. If you're the Jazz, are you banking on this? Like, hey, you guys can all come here. Does Chris, ba- Chris Bosch feel left out? Uh, Chris, uh, No. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, he's in that draft class, right? He probably it's, doesn't want to go so through that, that again. Uh, Does Kirk Heinrich feel left out? Or Chris Kamen? <laughs> Chris Kamen feels left out for <laughs> <Or> sure. TJ Ford? <laughs> yes. Also, Darko Milicic had weird comments late, recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's basically, like, uh, the NBA gave me no opportunity to improve, which, yeah. I, I mean, It made fun of the way Dikembe Mutombo speaks English, which oh, was really? not, the, it wasn't the least racist thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't great. Uh, and then also with LeBron, this whole Twitter thing where he unfollowed the Cavs on Instagram and Twitter and then like was offended that anyone asked him about it. He's just like one awful deleted scene of Degrassi High. Do you have the audio? All right, let's let's play the we'll play the audio in a second. We're going to give John a uh, you have it now? Oh, it's 15 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's second. just it's just one high school moment after another. Like everything th- about this is so dumb, right? Right. It's so unnecessary, I would say. Yeah. Like if if you know like when my ex girlfriend and I broke up, she unfollowed me on Twitter. Right. But that's why did the Cavs? Why is LeBron doing? <laughs> did this she to do the it Cavs before? Right now? Before you broke up? No, after. Okay. Like a person. Before that would have been foreboding. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, if if she would have done it beforehand, then this is exactly the situation LeBron is in now, right. where like all of a sudden I'm expecting the breakup in in the the off season, yeah. if, whatever the the dating equivalent of the off season. Let's hear the is. audio, and then I want to tell you my theory. All right. LeBron, you may not um, like this one, and I'm not thrilled asking it. I'm obviously trying to diffuse this a little bit, but um, it appears that you unfollowed the Cavs on Twitter today, and it's it's caused quite a stir. Why did you do that, or what what would go into that? <laughs> Next question. Next question. Um, under, you've had 38 assists tonight. That's a season high. What can is this something you can take forward to the next game? Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm done. All right, thanks, guys. 
Amazing. All right, so so much of that. Like the reporter gives him like four different ways to get out of that question. Right. He's like, you know, you you could have been like, yo, someone on my team did it. Yo, it was a mistake. Uh, yeah. You know, whatever will get it fixed. Uh, I have bigger things to care about than my social media profiles. There are so many possible answers to that that don't get you in trouble. Whereas next question says the exact opposite. Right. And then his PR lady being like, yep, next question. Yeah. The echo machine is kind of funny. Uh, and then, of course, the 38 assists by like the frantic reporter who's frightened out <laughs> of his mind. He's just trying to he's trying to corral this thing so much. Uh, yeah, I th- maybe I've said it before on here. I really think, and I'm going full Stugatz Dan Levitard show here. Uh, I think years ago Kevin Durant said, "I like this Warriors team. I want to join them when I'm a free agent." And he said, "But I'm going to get killed PR wise." And LeBron said, "Look, we're good friends. Uh, I'm going to go back to Cleveland early, and then when you become a free agent." I'll go back to Miami. People will be so distracted and angered with me for leaving Cleveland again. You can go to the Warriors, and no one's going to know. So they planned this in 2010. Yes. <laughs> Where it were the Warriors likely. in 2010? Look, they had seen <laughs> Steph Curry shoot, and they were like, this guy is always going to be able to shoot at an amazing, amazing level. So let's do this. Something. Uh, something or 2013. About How about 2013? LeBron was like, look, I don't want to leave Miami, but I'll, I'll go to Cleveland for two Even years. Even then, like they had just lost in the playoffs to the Clippers. Second round exit. I don't know. He just he burned down the Denver Nuggets in 2013. Yeah. So the Denver Nuggets. Congrats. Hey, he saw. And he just <laughs> like Kevin Durant's a great GM. He just knew Steph Curry was going to be the man. And, and he uh, wanted LeBron to join agreed. I mean, and LeBron was like, "Look, I I can't fault you for it's that. Definitely worth it. Like, I you know I I picked Deion Waiters, but you know, <laughs> I, I agree. Steph Curry could be good too. Yes. Um. <laughs> Warriors are also going for 73 wins, and they might get it or might not, but we got to take a break. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> news. Yeah, I mean, that's been the case for all season. Uh, it, nothing has changed. we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to break down the Jazz game from tonight a little bit, Jazz against the Thunder. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I love Masha K. Masha Kirilenko, wife of Andre Kirilenko, who yeah. the Jazz are honoring. He's in this town. Monday. Yeah. yeah. Jazz are honoring him this Monday against the Lakers. Go buy your tickets for that and not for Kobe's retirement, but right. it's Andre Kirilenko celebration night. Wear your Kirilenko jersey. Uh, my favorite thing, I covered him a year in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and we asked him one time, you know, how do you play defense without fouling so well? And he said, I just don't foul them. It's very <laughs> simple. Like, All right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jazz lost 113-91 to the Thunder tonight, and we had this space dedicated to breaking down that game. But luckily, we talked a lot in the last segment and don't have that much time. Here's the breakdown and of the game. They, yeah, were, they, were, they were much worse than the Thunder. They were much worse. But luckily, Ennis Cantor has provided us with breaking Twitter news oh, literally two minutes ago. Okay, let's start from the beginning. You may remember last year when Ennis Cantor came back to Utah after getting traded, uh, played the role of the villain, pumped right. up the crowd a little bit, then the Jazz lost by, or the Jazz won 94-89. Trevor Booker said, quote-unquote, he got his stats and he got the L as always. Tonight, Shots fired. Ennis Cantor tweets, well, we got our W, win as always, five straight games this year. Winky face, and then he used a picture of him egging on the crowd to boo him some more. Ennis Cantor, I have missed you as a Twitter phenomenon. 
Here's and my problem with this, is that it's in all caps. And I also don't like a winky face plus a, an emoji. Pick one. Yeah, that's true. He used a winky face. He used the semicolon in the parentheses and then an actual winky face emoji and then a picture of himself. Like, that's way too many representations of whatever his emotions are right now. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he got paid, so I think he's fine. I don't think he I don't think he cares, right? Like I don't think he cares if if he leaves rubble in behind him in in Utah. No, I he think he likes the rubble. Right. I think he he likes the booing hence yeah. the the, you know, right. um, it on. I don't know. Like he's he's it, it's probably not what you want on a title contender to be like, "Hey, we're trying to build towards facing these these Warriors Spurs team." And he's like, "By the way, Gotcha, Jazz. Like, I would imagine Sam Presti's like, maybe calm down. Well, yeah. But <laughs> Dennis, I don't know. I like players having fun. I love the trash talk. I'm for more trash talk. I want Trevor Booker to fire back. All right. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And I think it's coming, too. All right. That's our show tonight. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out on SaltCityHoops.com. We are the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Andy Larson, Zach Harper signing out on ESPN 700.